Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey, welcome to Brave Church. My name is Samuel. I'm one of our lead pastors, and I lead Brave Church with my dad, Darren Laws. And before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out because this week is his 60th birthday. He is officially old. Just kidding. Uh, But hey, on March 2nd, in case you want to show him some love on social media, I just wanted you to know because that would make him feel special. I love my dad. I wouldn't be the man I am today without his love, his encouragement, and all of his support and belief in me over the years. And I know many people have had that experience with him. His life has been a blessing to many. And so whether you call him dad, pastor dad, friend, uh, hey, this is a great moment to celebrate his life. I love you, dad. Happy birthday. Well, today uh, we're starting a brand new talk series looking at the story of Jonah. And if you want to follow along, we're going to look at Jonah chapter one. So you can go there, Jonah chapter one. Um, When I was headed into my sophomore year of high school, I was about to be on the JV basketball team. I loved basketball since I was a little kid. And so my freshman year, I was the starting point guard. And I worked really hard and I was great on defense but I was terrible at shooting. In fact, that summer, my coach gave me and only me a video to watch called How to Shoot the Basketball. And you know, I didn't uh, take any offense to that, okay? It didn't phase me. I watched the video and I worked really hard to improve my shot. You know, we lived in the country in a small town and my papa had a concrete company and he had poured a big shooting court in the backyard. And so my teammates would come over uh, all summer long. We'd scrimmage, and then we'd jump in the pool, and it was was just so much fun. And so I watched that shooting video. I was working on my shot. I was getting better until I got a crush on the girl next door, and I lost my shooting streak. And the next thing you know, I wasn't practicing every day anymore. I wasn't even practicing every other day. I mean, I was practicing maybe once a week. And so summer ended, And school came back, and by the time we got to basketball season, uh, I was shooting just like I used to. You know, I couldn't make a free throw. I was worse than Shaq, okay? And so I'd catch fast breaks. I'd I'd be going down the court at full speed because I was really fast, only to see the ball just like fly off the backboard into the hands of the other team. And so my coach, you know, he believed in me, and 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 again, I was was good on defense, but a few games into the season, uh, he had to make a tough decision. He said, Samuel, you're not going to be the starting point guard anymore. And this crushed me. I mean, I I hated sitting on the bench. It was was embarrassing. I was the starting point guard. Only getting to go in when it it didn't affect the game at all or at the end of the, the quarter. I mean, that was like, come on. And so by the time Thanksgiving break rolled around, I was losing motivation They had practice scheduled all break early in the morning every day. And I really just wanted to sleep in and go snowboarding. And so I'm embarrassed to say this right now because I had never quit anything before up to that point in my young life, but I really can't think of anything major that I've quit since then. But you know what? I quit the team. And my coach and everyone, they took it well, but the truth is I quit because 
I didn't agree with my coach's call. You know, he thought the team had a better chance of winning with me on the bench. And he was right. But instead of staying on the team and working hard and helping make my teammates better and striving to improve for the next season, instead of staying and fighting, I ran. Because sometimes we run. Sometimes we run when we're called to fight. You know, my coach had asked me to contribute to the team from a different position. He, he didn't kick me off the team. He wasn't mean to me or devaluing. He just needed me to play a different role. Have you ever had a hard time with the season, position, or place that God's called you to be? You know, maybe you felt called to have kids and ended up being the parent spending most of the time at home and it wasn't anything like you expected. I mean, you thought that these kids were going to serve you and now you're the slave. I mean, maybe you accepted a new role at work and an opportunity to lead something and it was way harder or more stressful than you ever would have anticipated. Or you committed to a relationship before you found out they were obsessed with Disney. <laughs> Maybe God put a dream or a desire in your heart and you took the first step, you signed up for the online class, you filled out the application or you got the interview and then the demands of day-to-day -day life and what it takes to follow through collided. Have you ever felt like running? Maybe you can think of a time that you ran and you regret it. Listen, it's okay. Sometimes we run. And the truth is, we want to be on God's team, but we don't always want to do what he asks. And when that happens, sometimes we run. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you can still relate to finding yourself in a place or on a team or a position at work, and, and, and you just don't like it. You don't like where you're at. We all have preferences about what we do. Uh, we want to choose the assignments that we accept and the ones that we pass on, even when it comes to the things that God calls us to do. Yet there's a blessing and a reward on the other side of answering God's call in the inconvenient, undesirable, and non-glamorous. Like when God asks us to defer. Or, or take a demotion, or it feels like we're getting less than we deserve. Or even worse, what about when we disagree with God? Will we run or stay faithful? Like Jonah, the character that we're about to look at today, sometimes we run. And there are some things that this story teaches us about what we do and what we need to, know, to do when we run. Um, so today we're going to answer three questions, okay? Three questions that we're going to look at today. And that is, why do we run? What happens when we run? And how does God respond? How does God respond? So let's begin reading our passage. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And this is what God said. God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. In verse 3, though, we, we see Jonah's unfortunate response. The Bible says Jonah did what? Jonah ran away. He ran away from the Lord, and he headed to, Tar to Tarshish. Uh, he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed to Tarshish to, to do what? To, to flee from the Lord. He was a man on the run. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. 
Each cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice so that we will not perish. Then the sailors, they said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. They asked, what have you done? The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? And he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will be calm again. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And so instead the men, you know, they did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. So then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Before we go further, let's pray. God, I pray that you would use this time together, that you would use this story that is so relevant to our lives today, God, to speak to us about the things that we need to know and that we need to see when we start to run away from your best in our lives, from the things that you have called us to and the places that you have put us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, today we're gonna answer three questions. Why do we run? What happens when we run? And how does God respond? So question number one, why do we run? Let me ask you something. What's better, apple or Android. If, if, you, if you vote Apple, raise your right hand. If you vote Android, raise your left hand. I don't know who you're watching with, whether or not you guys are like an Apple household or an Android household or what the deal is. But usually people have an opinion about this. It's like vanilla or chocolate. It's like DC or Marvel. Listen, if you vote Apple or Android, here's the deal. You're both wrong, okay? The, the real freedom is no phone. That's the best. Try it for one week. Trust me. It's awesome, okay? Seriously though, We all like to think that we know what's best. And it was no different for Jonah. In verse two, God says to him, he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because it has wickedness and it has come up before me. Side note, can I I just say, I love that God cares so much about wicked cities that he has such a big heart for them. And this isn't the first time we see this. You know, there's another story in Genesis about a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. God sends prophets to evil cities because he loves the people there. But Jonah doesn't want to go to this one. And he wants to pass on this assignment. And you might wonder, well, well, Jonah, you're a prophet. Isn't that what prophets do? (laughs) Isn't that your thing, right? Why don't you want to go? And this is where a lot of people get this story wrong. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about Nineveh. Okay, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. 
And it, it was rumored that when the Assyrians were going to be attacking people, their reputation was so gruesome that sometimes the whole town would commit suicide. That's how scary these guys were and, and how hated they were. The stuff that they would do to entire families was so brutal that it's literally unspeakable. In fact, I'm not even going to paint that picture. You know, in, in Ephesians, we're instructed not to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up. And so, so I'm not even going to say, but you can imagine all the worst things that humans do to each other, and that's what the Assyrians were known for. So on the surface, you, you could safely say, that this was the last place that Jonah would want to be. But what's the real reason the prophet of God doesn't want to respond to the call of God to go to a great city and preach? You know, why did Jonah run? Running was Jonah's behavior, right? He ran. But what was happening at a motivational level? This is the part where a lot of preachers can miss the root of the story, okay? When the emphasis of this story or the way it goes down is told in Sunday school, you know, is, is about this bad and scary place, the Assyrian Empire, and that's why Jonah was afraid. You know, it leaves us feeling kind of like Jonah was justified. Like, well, of course he ran. We would all run. You know, in Western culture, we love to empathize with our characters, even when they're not the best role models. But if we flash forward to Jonah chapter 4, Jonah tells us exactly why he ran. Jonah says to God in Jonah 4.2, it says, He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Here's the real reason that Jonah ran. He wasn't afraid of failure. He, he wasn't even afraid of what would happen to him. No, he was afraid of wasted success. He didn't want to preach to them because what if they repented? You know, what if God had mercy on them? And then what if they go right back to their evil ways? What if God's plan doesn't pan out? See, number one, sometimes we run because we think we know better. Sometimes we run because we think we know better. Jonah thought he knew better than God. And, and this wasn't a risk that Jonah wanted to take. In Jonah's mind, these people don't deserve a second chance. Jonah had decided in his heart that they weren't worthy of God's love. Has, has someone's mistakes or messed up actions ever caused you to cancel them in your heart? Maybe they abused someone. Maybe they misused their power. Maybe they're racist. Maybe they're out of control on Twitter. Maybe they're a Lakers fan. <laughs> Has God ever asked you to love someone or tell them about him? And you thought, okay, God, I understand that's what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. You know, this was Jonah's issue at a heart level. He thought that he knew better than God. And in this case, that means that he thought he knew who deserved the opportunity to receive God's grace. And if any of, as if any of us deserve it. So question number two, what happens when we run? Number two, when we choose to run, this is what happens. God doesn't stop us. God lets Jonah go, at least for now. Jonah gets on a boat. He's going in the other direction, paying for passage on a, on a ship to run away from God. It's like Jonah was buying his way into hell. One, one time I was going to dinner in SF and it, it was really hard to find parking. And, you know, I saw this spot and it was a metered parking spot. 
And it, it didn't look, I didn't look super closely, but it was one of those meters that's painted yellow on the top. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like yellow and kind of red. And it's not a normal meter. And then there was a sign kind of nearby that said something about why you couldn't park there. But I ignored it because I had the golden ticket, okay? My brother was with me and, and I had his disabled person parking placard. And if you have a family member or a friend with one of these, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. When you're with someone who has one of these, it makes the meters free. Like 20-minute parking zones become unlimited. It is a golden ticket. It's incredible. And so these placards can, you know, they can turn a parking spot meant for one thing, like 20-minute like parking, into a disabled parking space. So, so surely we can ignore these signs, right? Like the authorities that put them here, like they don't know what I have. They don't know about this placard. So, you know, I threw up the placard. We walked to dinner. And when we came back, I couldn't find my car. I, actually, it was my dad's car, which is even worse. You know, this was years ago. I had borrowed his car and it was gone. And he wasn't happy. Tur turns out it got towed away to this parking yard and I had to pay 500 bucks to get my dad's car back. And I didn't have 500 bucks, so he had to pay 500 bucks. And then he really wasn't happy. And when the, you know, here's the deal. When the truth of God's word is revealed to us in any area that we don't agree with, we don't like, we think we're above the rules, God lets us run. And I chose to ignore the signs near my car, throw out my placard, head to dinner. God let me do it, right? But ignoring the signs doesn't change reality. My dad often says God's will is reality. When we ignore the reality of what God's doing, sometimes we find ourselves in really uncomfortable places. In this world that God created, we get to make our own decisions. And because we get to choose, it means something when we choose to love. It means something when we choose to sacrifice. It means something when we're faithful to God. God doesn't force us into obedience. He is in control. But just because he's in control doesn't mean he's controlling everything, which is the exact kind of lie that the devil wants us to believe because it attacks God's character. But if God controlled everything all the time, think of the implications. We become robots and our actions don't even matter. So we can't let God being in control become a cop-out to the extreme of denying our personal power to choose. We do get to choose, and sometimes we run. And when we do, God lets us. When Jonah chose to run, God let him go. But what happens next? You know, Jonah, he, you know, he made his move. Now what did God do in response? Here's what is so beautiful about God. We may think we know better, we, we may choose to run, and God lets us. But you know what? God has a response. How does God respond? Number three, God chases after us. He chases after us. What does God do in response to Jonah running away? He sent a storm to get his attention. And the word used here, translated storm, is our, in our English language was originally written in the Hebrew word ruach. This is a wind of God's spirit. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. So, so in verse 15 and 17, let's check this out. Let's see what happens. It says, then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. So even this, the pagan sailors are repenting to God. 
And then look at this. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Now, before I get back to my point, I just need to comment on something. A man was swallowed by a fish, right? Many have asked, what kind of fish can a human life live in for three days? But that's really not the question here. God doesn't explain the fish, okay? Maybe he did a unique creation of a fish, or maybe this was a parable. But the point is that God sustained his runaway prophet's life, even when it was so desperate, he was so desperate to get away from God. There's, there's a quote from Billy Graham that says, give me Genesis 1-1, and I can believe a man was swallowed by a fish. You know, the, the truth is, put God in any story, and the miraculous becomes possible. If God is part of a story. The supernatural is natural. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter because the point is, is that God spared Jonah. And, and this is a, a pretty clever way, if you think about it, if you're God, to make a point. I mean, think about it. God makes the sailors throw Jonah overboard. He's swallowed by a fish. He's in the fish for three days, three nights with nothing to do but think about his situation. And really, the fish saved Jonah's life. In the belly of the fish, what Jonah would see is the worst possible scenario. You know, something even worse than the worst thing that he thought could happen when he thought that he knew better than God. And by God's grace, he is kept alive. That's God's response, is grace. And maybe you can think of a time in your life when God spared you, when you were so undeserving. But if you look back, God is the only reason that you made it through. He's the only reason that you're here today. Go ahead and think about that moment. You know, I, I can think of mine. I'm thinking about it. Think about yours. That moment that you know, you know what, if it was not for God, if not for God, if not for God's grace, and, and recognize for, for some of you who have crossed the line of faith that God's grace is the only reason you're here. It's completely changed our lives. Yeah. For some of you, Maybe you're in the belly of the fish right now, in the midst of your storm. And you may be facing what you consider to be your worst nightmare. I mean, maybe financially, you're like, I'm done, it's over. And God may, may, be, may say, okay, now do I have your attention? Maybe for some of you, you're facing a relationship that you think it just couldn't get any worse than this. And God may say, okay, do I have your attention? What nightmare are you facing? Now, I'm not saying everything bad that happens is, is God causing it in your life because I don't believe that is true. But I do believe with everything in me that there are times where God may cause or God may allow what we would consider to be our worst nightmare so that he can fully get our attention. The U.S. president, John Quincy Adams, who once he finished presidency, went back into Congress in order to work toward the abolishment of slavery uh, you know, every single bill that he submitted along these lines got turned down. It was, it was failure after failure. And at the end of his life, he was asked whether he was discouraged by the fact that he didn't see the end of slavery. And he simply said, duty is mine, results are God's. His job was to do what God told him to do, not to concern himself with the, with the results, not to be so worried about the outcome. Be obedient and trust God with the outcome. The, the word of the Lord will come to us all and we have a choice to follow or to run away. And when God speaks to you, you can decide that you know better 
and you can run. And you can say, why would I extend God's grace to that person? Or you can do the work of Jesus and you can say, you know, I don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. But look what God has done for us. And listen, this is really important. You know, if you do run, you need to know that God runs faster and he will never stop chasing after you. And by his spirit, he may send a storm to grab your attention. And if that doesn't get it, he may allow you to face your worst nightmare. And when he does, understand this. It is all because he loves you. Because he has something for you, something for you to do. He has a great city and a group of people for you to impact. But you've got a choice. You can keep running or you can follow Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray together. God, I pray for every person right now, those marked by grace, those yet to discover the the grace that you extend so freely, this generous gift of your love to cover over all of our mistakes, all of the difficult situations and things that we face in this lifetime, God. God, if there is anyone watching right now that has yet to begin a relationship with you, I extend that invitation on your behalf to begin a new life, a life that is no longer marked by striving and struggle, but a life of surrender and a life of your blessing, a life of your peace that transcends our circumstances, a life of purpose. If you're watching right now and that's where you're at, I would love to pray with you. There's a a website that we created that you can go to brave.church slash follow where, where we would love to follow up with you if you've made this decision. But if you're making this decision in this moment from your heart, I want you to agree with this prayer. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I'm done running. I'm done running. I turn back to you I turn back to the grace that I need to cover my mistakes, my failures, my shortcomings, the part of me that constantly just keeps messing things up. I'm done with this cycle. I'm done with this waywardness. God, I come back to you and you greet me with your arms wide open, full of love, full of love. God, I feel your love right now. I feel your love for me. I feel your love for those watching. I feel your love for those who are entering your kingdom, beginning a relationship with you. You are Lord of our lives. You have a purpose, you have a plan. We answer your call in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one more thing. Um, If you are a part of this community, if you're following Jesus with us here at Brave Church, uh, we want to encourage you to contribute to the cause. Everything um, that we do is supported through the giving of our members. And we really appreciate your generosity. Lives are being changed. Uh, we, We have so much exciting stuff planned for the rest of this year and we need the resources to do those things uh, to impact people's lives with the gospel. So thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.